Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. All right, 5 o'clock drive home, getting you ready for an Eagles-Browns matchup this weekend. Tomorrow on the show, we will get into it. Jay Fitz will be back. Also, Find 5, Ugly 5. You know, I got friends of mine who listen to the Find 5, Ugly 5 and are like, you got to put the Eagles in the five, the uglies. Like, they're one of the worst. And I'm like, they might be, but there's a lot of bad teams in this league. The Eagles are one of them. I don't know if they're one of the five worst in the league. We'll find out tomorrow, though. Are you ready to put them in your ugly five? We'll find out tomorrow night. I mean, there's some really bad teams. I mean, they're still three, five, and one. They're only two games under 500. It's hard to put a team that's still about 500-ish. When there's teams with zero wins, one win, two wins. And, like, the argument they make is... Well, these guys are hurt. Well, that's part of the reason why you're bad, because you got bad roster. Just because a guy or two get hurt, part of the reason why you become bad is because your roster's not good. I get it. I'm I'm not telling you that's not a reason why you can't why you're bad. It, it's a valid reason why you're bad, but it's still there. Like it's still a part. Like the Eagles are healthy this week. Well, they got a full roster back and they're bad. Well, for one week, they've played pretty bad against that Giants team, which, by the way, that Giants team is starting, and we kind of talked about it last week, and Jordan Ronan didn't agree with us. I was going to say, we might have to have him on so he can apologize, for because he, he was like, what are you guys looking at? We're, right? like, We're looking at a team that has more confidence right now. I thought so. So he might have to come on and apologize. Pete Thompson never has to apologize. The PT's here, and of course... It's a Tuesday with Thompson here on the Sports Best, brought to you by your Delaware Valley Accurate Dealers. For great deals on Accurate's award-winning lineup, shop online at DelValAccurateDealers.com. Peter? Michael, Hunter, I heard that interview with Jordan Ronan where you guys were sort of pumping the Giants, and he kept uh, you know, sort of pumping the brakes and saying, like, don't get so excited. They're not that good. Well, they're good enough to beat the Eagles. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if I'm putting them in the ugly five just yet, but the game... The game was ugly. It was painful once again to watch that football game. All right, so we got a bunch of questions to get to for the PT here. One stays, one goes. If you had to pick a guy that you trust more to get things right, to right the ship, is it Doug Peterson, the coach, or Carson Wentz, the quarterback? I'm so glad that I voted on that poll right before I came on with you guys, and I did not pick the the clubhouse leader. I picked Doug to stay and Carson to go. And that is not how the people are speaking, but that's who I think, you know, I'm sorry, but I think Carson Wentz is a complete and utter failure in year five. I mean, I don't know how many times you can keep giving this guy chance after chance. Who cares who's whispering in his ear? If the guy's mechanics are off and he has no confidence and you look at his numbers post injury, you know, he's not good. He is not good. He's not good enough to be the leader of this football team. Doug, you can put some other voices around, but stop babying Carson Wentz is my theory. So, He's 17, 18, and 1 since he got hurt. How about that? 17, 18, and 1. I've seen that a lot. Is that, you know, uh, since the injury, he has just been an average, now below average quarterback. Well, Doug Peterson is a part of that product as well, though. So they go hand in hand. It's hard to really separate the two. And I know people are going to say, well, he wins with Nick Foles. Well, just like Carson Wentz before this year was never this abysmal, I don't think Doug Peterson was ever to this level either. And it's hard to imagine someone falling off to this degree. But we're seeing that with Wentz. I think the same could be said with Doug Peterson, where he's falling off too, and it doesn't really make sense. There's no way to really describe why this is happening, but it is. I mean, and the biggest thing too, guys, is look, the Eagles acquiesced. They gave Carson Wentz the extension, and 
He did not. It was no secret within the organization that he was not a big fan of Mike Groh. He, he did not like Mike Groh as the offensive coordinator. So what did the Eagles do? They got rid of Mike Groh, okay? Even though Peterson initially said he was going to stick around, they got rid of Mike Groh. They didn't see eye to eye. So then they bring in Scangarello as the offensive assistant. They got Press Taylor in there. They got Marty Morningweg around. I mean, at some point you might say there's too many cooks in the kitchen, right? And maybe that Wentz's problem is that he's, he's got too many voices in there. But if that's the case, maybe the problem is just that they drafted a guy, Jalen Hurts, to be, you know, perhaps the replacement, and he, and he can't handle that. I, I don't know. Maybe it's a mix of all three. Maybe it's too many voices in the room. He's looking over his shoulder. Or it could just be, you know, in the Ryan Howard analogy, when Ryan Howard ran down that first baseline and collapsed before first base, he was never the same player again. Well, Carson Wentz had a pretty devastating injury that he's come back from, but he's never been the same player since. He was 11-2 and two until he got hurt that fateful night in the old L.A. Memorial Coliseum. He's now 17-18-1 since. You tell me what's the correlation. Uh, I, look, I've been a big Wentz supporter. I think he has a ton of talent. I see a guy who's not the same player, and uh, it's frustrating. And, look, we've been battling about this. Look, I think Peterson's done a terrible job as the head coach. I don't feel that he's the problem with why Wentz is struggling so much. There are plays for Wentz. He's simply not making them. 58% Pete Thompson, that's not an NFL quarterback. And I can't sit here and say, well, that's the head coach's fault that he's only completing 58% of his passes. And even the passes he does complete are painful to watch sometimes. Like, there's just not a I, – I talked about it earlier with uh, with him. You'll like this. When you watch a team against the Flyers and the Flyers are struggling, it feels like every night those that other team's going tape to tape on the passes. And it doesn't feel like he's going tape to tape even when he completes a pass. I mean, there's a couple things. First of all, it only took a few years, Gil, but you finally got me thinking like a radio guy. I put up a Facebook post after the game. I had 111 comments. And I asked, who do you blame? Do you blame Carson Wentz? Do you blame Doug? Do you blame Howie Roseman? And everybody had a different reason for why they were picking somebody. But to your point about Carson Wentz, I mean, some people were trying to say, well, hey, he didn't turn the ball over. Big whoop. He also really didn't do much out there either. He made a couple nice throws, but, you know, for the most part, he was like average to mediocre. He didn't look guys off. He missed guys high. You know, he didn't complete a pass longer than 22 yards in that football game. It just... Carson Wentz, sure, he didn't turn the ball over. Okay, let's have a parade down Broad Street. Not. I mean, the guy just is not playing like an elite-level quarterback. He's playing like one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, and that's a problem. I almost felt like that was Doug's game plan, though. He had two weeks to prepare prepare for this, and it almost was like, I just want Carson Wentz to not throw interceptions, so here's going to be our game plan. And that took him two weeks to do it, and it was abysmal from a game plan standpoint. Like, I thought this was lost. There's plenty of reasons why... Games can be lost, whether it's a fumble late or it's interception late or something happens, a punt return, you allow the other team to score a special team's touchdown. But the game plan makes sense. For me, I thought offensively and defensively, when they were hanging out in the meeting rooms and the coaching rooms, although it had to be via Zoom because of COVID that week, I felt it was lost there. Like, they weren't even putting together a blueprint that would win the game from the jump. And that's what bothers me from Doug's standpoint. 
Oh, sure. And you can look, there's a lot of uh, things that you can hold against Doug and criticisms you put up against him. One, you know, the run seemed to be working. Both their touchdowns came on rushing touchdowns, and yet they, uh, you know, late in the game had a, a series where they went pass, 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 and, and they're done. They're out. I mean, you know, listen, you can't try one run somewhere in there. And then don't even get me started on the going for two after the Corey Clement touchdown. What in the GD heck is going on here? What in the Sam Hill? I mean, I, I understand the guy doesn't like to kick extra points and he thinks the analytics point Pete. conversions are the way to go the I'm analytics sorry. that that's just that that's just a disaster. that play was a disaster it had no chance just kick the damn extra point I, take your analytics and shove it up where the sun don't shine well i don't like it i would say this you know i agree that i didn't like the game plan that doug came out with um it's almost though and We've kind of talked about this a lot the last couple of days. I feel that Doug has lost so much confidence in his quarterback that he has to scale the offense back so much for him because he doesn't have confidence in the guy. Yeah, and when you're simpling that down and scaling it down, you end up with 0 for 9 for the first time since, what was it, 2004? I mean, this wasn't the top-ranked NFL defense they were facing. How do you not convert a single third down when the Giants' defense was 26th in the league against third down? Half the time they were giving up a first down. and So here the Eagles go and throw out this goose egg of 0 for 9. It's the first time since 04 that they haven't it's unbelievable to me, unfathomable to me that they could play that badly. And, and uh, it's it's just frustrating. And, you know, maybe uh, my own family said to me that we got the email yesterday when uh, Doug, uh, Mayor Kenny, Jim Kenny, uh, shutting down Philadelphia and all that, that the Eagles are doing us a favor. Now we don't have to watch them against Seattle. We don't have to watch them against the Saints. We don't have to watch them against the Ah, uh, you're going to watch, PT. You. You're going to watch. No. I was going to watch in person. Now I don't have to shell out that oh, okay. for a ticket is what I'm saying. Yeah, big difference, no doubt. But things like this is what bothers me. And I mentioned this a couple times yesterday, and uh, Dan Norlovsky tweeted this out. It took until 7 minutes and 16 seconds left in the third quarter for the Eagles to get their quarterback outside the pocket on back-to-back plays, which resulted in 40 yards of offense. From there, it was never called again. Like, those are the little things that, yes, I get it. Carson Wentz is missing these wide-open throws when he's standing in the pocket, and that is a problem. But there is a skill set that Carson Wentz is succeeding with right now, and it's not being utilized. And that's where, when you're a head coach and you realize, my quarterback sucks, i got to find a way to get him working, there is something that's working, and you're not even doing it. That blows my mind. It feels like deja vu, Hunter. I feel like we've talked about this before, that Wentz is not an accurate pocket passer, a guy that drops back, plants his feet, and throws the football. He's not as accurate there as when his hair's on fire and he's rolling out and he's on the run. He tends to get more accurate when he's on the move. And if that's the case, like Orlovsky tweeted, then why wouldn't you design some more plays like that for your quarterback? For it to not happen until seven minutes to go in the third quarter is inexcusable. I mean, and what, by the way, uh, we're sitting here ripping on Doug's game plan and we're ripping on Carson and his how his throws looked. We haven't even mentioned Jim Schwartz's defense yet, which also gets a, a huge strike for me. He mentioned it today. We were embarrassing, and at least uh, you know he can see the tape and admit it. Unlike Doug, who uh, praised his own play calling, and you know, look, I feel like there's a disconnect somewhere in this team, and it could be, you know. You mentioned the whole Doug thing. He said that the coaches were not going to get fired. Then they fired him. 
because uh, I don't know that I agree with what you were saying with that. I think Doug wanted to bring Grow back. He backed those guys, and then the organization made him look like a horse's ass and fired him the next day. And it was like, I just went out and vouched for these guys. You cut my legs out underneath of me. So I feel like there's a little disconnect. And here's a guy that won the Super Bowl, and it's almost like they're saying – you won the Super Bowl, but your voice is not to be heard inside this building. It's our way or no way. And I feel like Doug feels a little disrespected in the organization. Well, and no, I was agreeing with that. Doug did want Mike Grow to come back. And it was just that Wentz and Grow didn't see eye to eye that much of the time. And so you're right. Doug eventually, after he met with Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Rosen, they basically are saying, look, dude, we outrank you. These are the people we're getting rid of and deal with it, you know? And so, yeah, maybe there is disconnect between the head coach and your GM and your owner. And that's a problem, too. I mean, well, uh, and also, Pete, for the Doug haters to want to move on from Doug. Also, Pete. I gotta imagine, you know, I, I'm pretty, um, you know, I, I like Wentz. I've been a supporter of Wentz, but I gotta, you know, I'm, I'm just calling it as I see it. I think he has been awful this year, and I think he's regressed, and I think it's between the ears. And I wonder how much of this is. Look, you got people who want it folds. This guy's got a statue out front. That conversation won't go away. Uh, and you drafted a quarterback in the second round. How much of this is? Look, how much am I even wanted here? Yeah, I mean, and and that's the thing, too, that, you know, the Foles conversation doesn't go away, even despite the fact that Foles got lit up last night on the last play of the game and it looks like he might be injured for a while. I mean, it just it's continually, if you're Carson Wentz, you're like, all right, so you gave me a four-year extension, right? $66.5 million of that guaranteed. Yeah, I'm your guy. You sit there and say, I'm your guy. But the other day, Doug had two or three opportunities, and it wasn't until they really pinned him down that he actually said the phrase, Carson is our guy. I mean, he, he it took him a while to admit that when the whole story came out about Brett Favre and what his, his comments were. So do the Eagles have a history now? Is this the pattern we're going to be in of them drafting quarterbacks with thin skin? I, I normally wouldn't say that Carson Wentz has thin skin, but and they say, you know, drafting Jalen Hurts had nothing to do with Wentz, but at the end of the day, he's not the same player that he was, and all the things that add up to that, bringing in another guy, you know, Wentz looking over his shoulder, not feeling appreciated, you know, hearing fans say that they, even now, all this time now, saying that they still wish that Nick Foles was the guy and not Wentz. You know, maybe that stuff is getting to him. By the way, Brett Favre was on Sirius XM Radio today and did follow up on his comments. He says, it's my opinion. It's not Doug's opinion. Doug and I don't have a problem with each other. So, I mean, he said, look, this is my opinion. I think Doug could have done the better job and just say, hey, uh, Brett and I are friends. That's his opinion. We don't agree. Carson's our guy. End of story. Um, and I think that goes into Wentz. Maybe he just doesn't feel appreciated by by this team. I don't know, but it seems like there's a disconnect between Peterson, um, uh, Wentz, and maybe the front office, and that that's all streamlining into the problem. You keep mentioning they can get him out of the pocket and get him to do things that he's doing well. I agree. I don't know why they don't do that more. But if I'm Doug Peterson and I say I have a $158 million quarterback and I can't get him to throw the ball seven yards to me, I got a problem. If I can only call plays where he rolls out, which I can do more of, I agree with you 100% there. But if my quarterback can't throw a simple pass from the pocket, I think I got a problem with my quarterback. And at 58%, which is where uh, Wentz is right now, that's a big, 
big problem. This league is completely. I mean, for yeah, God's sake, be Haskins. Would it be fifty-eight percent if you rolled him out of the pocket more? You talked about. I don't about know. I don't five, know. Probably five, not. Right, five or six more receptions last game could be the difference if you roll him out five more times. But that could be an, five more. Okay, but if I have an NFL quarterback that can't throw a seven-yard pass in the pocket, is that a good quarterback? They, they don't ask how. Everyone has their own identity. If his identity is this and it works, then it doesn't really matter. What I think it we're is. just assuming it works. Well, it does work. I mean, it's statistically proven when he does this, he is successful. He's been better. There's no question about it. I mean, if he does it 80% of the time, I don't know, maybe other teams figure him out. And if that's all he – that's my point. Is if, if that's all he can do is be a guy that gets out on the move and that's become who he is, I think that's another problem is that you got a quarterback who only does one thing well. And, and I think the Eagles need to – look, they drafted a quarterback in the second round, and people kept saying, why did they do that? I don't know. The more this season goes on, maybe they saw something more, and we're starting to see it now. Yeah, and listen, your point 100% that they don't need, seem to know how to play to his strengths. I agree with that totally, that you know when you get something that works like the rolling out and being able to throw on the run, you know, I mean, they've tried to coach, or they've been trying to coach the hero out of him. I get that. They've been trying to, you know, because the mistakes he's made is if he forces a ball downfield against Dallas and throws that interception, or if he holds the ball too long and then gives up a fumble. So he didn't do those things in the Giants game, and yet they still stunk and they still lost. And, you know, the reason we keep going back to that is because, you know, the best series came when he threw out of the pocket, or whether he rolled out by design or whether he rolled out because there was pressure. That said, you know, I agree with your point too, Mike, that, you know, if you get to year five and you realize that your quarterback can't go one, two, three and throw and throw from the pocket to open receivers downfield. I mean, on Sunday alone, he overthrew three open receivers downfield. Another one, the pass was tipped. I mean, some of that could be mechanics. Some of it could be, you know, but I mean, obviously if you looked in his eyes, like if you were playing defense, that does not look like a calm Carson Wentz back there. You know, what is it now? Eight lines, eight offensive, different offensive line combinations in nine weeks. Is yeah. that right? I mean, he still does not feel comfortable back there like he wants to be in the pocket. He still feels like, well, it's coming from somewhere. Where's it going to come from? Okay, got to throw, got to get it. Okay. And, you know, I mean, there aren't. There aren't easy throws. There's no, I mean, remember when the Eagles used to be a screen team? I never see that anymore, right? I mean, it's just, it, the guy is an absolute mess right now, and I don't know how to fix him. I hope somebody in their organization does. A uh, couple quickies here, uh, Tuesday with Thompson. How much Masters did you get in? I got quite a bit, actually. Because wow, Masters we Sunday? You we went, were, you went yeah. uh, Masters Sunday over Eagles-Giants? Oh, no, 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 no. On Sunday, by that point, Dustin Johnson was pretty much in control. I was able to watch a little bit on my device while the Eagles game was going on on the bigger device. But I'm talking like Thursday and Friday. I was completely into it. And somehow live on Sunday, I missed Tigers 10, and I had to go back and, you know, look on social media to find the video and see the uh, train wreck that happened when Tiger came to hole number 12. It's just a short little par three, Mike Gill. It's really easy until it isn't. All right, uh, Tuesday with Thompson. By the way, uh, according to Jim Salisbury, the uh, Phillies are going to reach out to Theo Epstein. Now, he resigned today, and there's some thought that he wants to take the year off, but sound familiar. Daryl Morey wanted to take the year off, too, and a Philadelphia team lured him in. So maybe uh, maybe John Middleton can uh, you know talk him into not taking the year well, off. Well, talk him in or open up the checkbook. 
Uh, a little of both. And if it's if it's a checkbook battle, then Cullen is going to win that up in New York. I had a Mets buddy text me and say, who do you think gets it, the Mets or the Phillies? And I, and I went with your answer, Mike Gill, which is if you take Theo Epstein at his word, he said, you know, it's going to be nice to have a summer where I'm not in the ballpark or I'm not worried about a baseball team. There's some talk out there that Theo Epstein wants to, like, be president of a baseball team, like to step up above a GM, you know. And there's also theory, too, that he likes to rebuild teams from the ground up. That would be the Mets more than the Phillies. The Phillies already have some established parts. But if he wants to add another ring to his lore, and, you know, like uh, you said, John Middleton puts enough uh, zeros in the paycheck, there's a possibility. I I think it's going to play out that he's not going to go to either team. He's going to take the year off unless Cohen makes him some outrageous offer. I I don't think the Phillies are in the lead on that one. There has been some talk, too, that he he had talked about getting into politics and wants to kind of get, like, go down that road or, like, do something to help communities out or, you know, something to that, you know, like, like he's got a greater, I mean, the guy's only 46 years old. It feels like he's, he, he should be 70 for as long as he's been in baseball, you know? He certainly has, and look, he, he did what the Cubs fans waited on like 100 years for, right, or more, however long that was. I mean, he, he was finally able to bring the pieces together, and then the minute that it uh, started to look like, uh, well, more than the minute, I mean, they, they've been going downhill for a little while in Chicago, so he got out of there. He likes to be the guy that builds it up, and then he quietly exits stage right once he's done it. Yeah, it is weird that, that he, he wins the World Series, and then his teams like slowly start to uh, fall apart. It's like... He gets burned out or almost bored, like he needs a new challenge. The challenge isn't to win a second one where I am. It's to find a new place to go and win. Right. And in the Cubs case, I mean, he'd already won one in Boston, but in the Cubs case, that was like the ultimate, you know, fixer-upper house, right? I mean, if you can come in and make this one happen, my God, you'll be revered forever. And he got it done, so... Uh, you know, I, I, I look. I'd love to see him. I mean, if he was interested in coming to Philadelphia, I think you you do whatever it takes to get him into the Philadelphia Phillies organization. I just don't think it's going to go that way. All right, Tuesday with Thompson with Pete Thompson. He's back on Friday for Happy Hour Friday, and of course, you like all guests appeared via the Boardwalk on the Hotline. Peter, Michael, Hunter, good job, guys. Fun stuff. Take it easy. All right, Sports Best brought to you by Recovery Centers of America, drug and alcohol addiction treatment centers located in Mays Landing, New Jersey, and in Devon, PA. This is the Sports Bash. So when we come back, we got who's in, who's out. Which 14 teams are going to make the playoffs? Find out on the other side. We'll do that. Plus, don't forget, coming up tonight, Brian Toporek will talk a little Sixers. If you missed our conversation with Paul Hudrick talking Sixers and draft, it was excellent. Check that out on our YouTube channel. John Clayton joined us. Jeff Nadeau with the early line. It's been a fun show today. We continue it next. Who's in? Who's out? On the other side. Don't go away. This is the Sports Bash. Wake up weekday mornings from 6 to 10 with Keyshawn, J. Will. ESPN. All right. Who's in? Who's out? These are the 14 teams we think will make the NFL playoffs. Got any changes? A few. About to find out. See how we like it. For weeks 10 in the NFL. Got to write a big red 10 at the top of my page here so I know. Double digits. I don't like it. I I don't like it. I feel like I'm a psychopath for saying this, but if I have to continue to watch this type of football, I'm rooting for it to be over. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It has been painful and horrible to watch. Um, All right. Let's see. Who's in? Who's out? NFL playoffs for 10 weeks of football here. Let's check in on what we got here. 
NFC, uh, AFC East. What do you have? I got Miami. No, you don't. I do. You got Miami winning the division. I do. Miami right there. Boom. And I looked at this. I looked this up. I like Miami's schedule a little better than I like Buffalo's. They're not even going to make the playoffs, but go ahead. Buffalo down the stretch. A couple games that kind of get me in. They got Steelers at Patriots. And the Dolphins and Bills play that last week of the year in Miami. I think that game could decide it. And I don't see Buffalo going to Miami and winning. I don't see them going to Miami and beating a bad Dolphins team, let alone a good one. All right, well, I still Actually, got that Buffalo. game's in Buffalo. I, I, oh, I that, change, that changes your opinion or no? Going into Buffalo, what if it's cold, snowing? They yeah. don't know what snow is in Miami. Two, his hands are numb. He's doing this, blowing into his hands. Yeah, I'm going to go... I'm going to go with Miami this week. All right. Well, I'm going to go with Buffalo. I'm going to stick true to my guts. Look, they beat Arizona at the end of the day. Some lucky, fluky nonsense got them the loss. So they realistically, you know, they won that game, but they blew a big play at the end. I'm sticking with Buffalo. I like this Buffalo team. I got to stick to my guns here with Miami. I don't see them ever in the playoffs. We got a six-pack on the line. Is that the only reason you don't have them in? Yep. Got to stand true to myself. ASC North, Pittsburgh. Got to be. When will they lose, though? I thought you brought up an interesting point when we had Jeff Nadu on at Barstool Sports. What's uh, what's going to be that track game for Pittsburgh? Is it going to be They got a schedule coming Jackson up here where it's team. like, where do I find a loss for them? Maybe at the Bills. Maybe against the Colts. I could see them losing to the Bills or Colts. Definitely. They're going to slip up once. You'd have to imagine so. They got the Ravens on Thanksgiving. They're at Jacksonville, home to the Ravens, home against Washington, at Buffalo, at the Bengals, home to the Colts, at the Browns. What was that Jacksonville spread? You said 10 points, right? Yeah, it's like 10 and a half. They could cover that. It's always a bad feeling, though, to root for a team like the Jags to cover a spread, you know? It's like the Jets. Like, oh, it's a 20-point spread. Am I really going to put money down on them to cover that? Covered last week. Yeah, you're right. All right, uh, let's go to the South. We got. I am going to stick with the Titans. I don't know how I feel about the offense of Indianapolis. I'm not a big Phillip Rivers guy. There's obviously at the back end of the career, and I do think that holds them back a bit. I like this Colts team. I do, and I was high on them even to begin the season. I'm going to stick with the Titans now, but it is inching closer, obviously, after what happened Thursday night. I'm going to the Colts. You are going to make the switch. I do. Uh, I like this Titans team, too, but they have been very disappointing. This looks like a team that's got 9-7 and written all over it. Just the inconsistencies with that team over the last couple of weeks. There's something not going on there. But do you trust this? I mean, I love the Colts' defense, don't get me wrong, but how do you feel about their offense? I just feel like sometimes it looks so miserable. Frank Reich. Yeah, I mean, he's you're right. great. Yeah, you're right. Peterson stinks. <laughs> Reich's great. So, no, I mean. I no, with Phillip Rivers, like, you know where he is in his career. Sometimes I feel that holds them back a bit. You know what, though? I thought he played better the last game. And maybe 10 weeks in, he's starting to remember. He's in a new offense now. And he's starting to get a little bit more comfortable, maybe. He's I think someone that was going up instead of down. I feel that the Titans, for whatever reason, I think their defense is a big problem. And that's surprising because Vrabel and they had a good defense last year. I feel like offensively they're all right. But their defense is a problem. 
it is definitely not as strong as I thought it would be. With the Colts, though, with Phillip Rivers, just hypothetically, if he finds a way to win something here towards the back end of his career, he really needs that. Hey, look, and the Colts, too, over the sample size, they're both 6-3. and three. Colts beat the Titans. They're a plus 65. Tennessee needs to figure it out. Defensively, 235. They're a plus 14. The Colts have only given up 177. Their defense is legit. Stuts. And I like that. So I like the defense. They got the veteran quarterback. I like Reich as the coach. I like Vrabel as the coach. I like Tannehill. But their defense is a problem. So the three checks go one side, only two go to the other. Okay. I do feel it's inching closer, though. I mean, one week can totally sway me. But for right now, I'll stick with the Titans till other rocks. All right. Kansas City is two games up. They play each other this week, and the Raiders beat them last time. There's a little play of blood here. There is. Chiefs. Me too. All right, wild cards. This is interesting because you got a lot of teams in the mix. You're going to have two teams right now out of the playoffs that have six wins. Okay, here we go. Colts, Baltimore, Raiders. All right. Can't put Miami in there. Not making the playoffs. So no Browns, no Dolphins is what you go. Correct. They're both 6-3. and three, So you're looking at two teams with six wins out. I got Baltimore, although they're starting to be a little worrisome now. Buffalo, Vegas. I got no Tennessee. I got no Cleveland. Yeah, the Cleveland thing, and it's something we keep talking about when it comes to who's in, who's out, because we already feel that Pittsburgh and Baltimore is going to be in. It's so hard to, to find three teams that's going to find its way in the one division. It's going to be tough. So they would be the one that probably yeah, they're a, out. I mean, of all the teams, they're a minus 28. They're lo- I mean, what? how many points did they score last? 10. Yeah, 10. They won 10-7. Exactly. Explosive offensive game. They'll score 40 this week against the Eagles. You don't trust Jim Schwartz? He was embarrassed. No, the Eagles are going to win this week 38-7. Oh. Remember? That's right. All right, that's in. That's who's in in the AFC. Let's go to the NFC. NFC East. Who we got? Easy. The New York Giants. You go Giants. Giants. Out on the Eagles. Even though we just said they're going to win 38-7. <laughs> I'm going Giants. Look, trajectory. Going the other way. You want to talk about the check marks? Joe Judge right now has the check mark by based off of how the team's playing. Daniel Jones has the check mark over uh, you know, Carson Wentz and Jason Garrett. He put together a hell of a game plan against Jim Schwartz. I like the Giants in terms of up. Here's the problem. At Seattle, Arizona, Cleveland, at the Ravens. I mean, it's a tough sled. Yeah, they only honestly, besides this one win against the Eagles, all they do is beat Washington. That's what they do. They beat Washington. And Philly, they beat Washington and Philly. So their only wins have come against the NFC East teams. Right. You know, so. Yeah, I know, I'm with you. But look, right now, I'm feeling the Giants. I, I am. I don't see anything positive today, at least. The way I see it today, I'm so out on this Eagles team. I, I'm going by the They have like a stretch like the Eagles do, where I still can see them winning two or three more games. But that, that tie will be the difference well, maker. What's left in the division for them? Yeah. De- Dallas one more time, right? I guess that's it, because they played Washington twice, and they played the Eagles twice. They played Dallas, and Maybe that's it. One more time. Yeah, well, they play the Bengals. They have a bye this week. They play the Bengals, when and then Seattle, Arizona, Cleveland, Baltimore. With the way Seattle's playing, how about that? Where's that game at? It's in Seattle. Okay, difference maker. And keep in mind, Dallas is getting Dalton back, so you're not having Ben DiNucci and... Gilbert Godfrey playing quarterback for them anymore. Who? So, I don't know. 
The Giants, I feel like the Giants, I'll give them two more. That gets them to five. If they sneak another one, that gets them to six. And six and ten might not be good enough if the Eagles have that tie. The tie is the difference right now. Unbelievable. So I got Philly just because I get – I would imagine Philly wins two to three more games. I'm acknowledging this is a very emotional pick by me in this week. Putting that out on the record. Everything you've done has been irrationally emotional. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. What has been? This pick, Miami. Well, no, that's not irrational. That's just because I'm supporting my bet for you. We okay. had a bet. I'm supporting my bet. But it's not made with... Um, I honestly don't... No, but I'm, I made the bet because I did feel that way, though. I, I do feel like it's competitive. It's not ridiculous to yeah. think the Dolphins can miss the playoffs. It's not like I'm saying Kansas City Chiefs are going to miss the playoffs. Uh, who wins the North? Packers. Packers. That division's interesting all of a sudden. I mean, not for, like, the lead, but, like... No, but for everybody's playoff spot... It's Minnesota's in the in the making here. One three in a row. Yeah. Um, I think the Bears are cooked. Although Foles is out of there. Thank God for them. They get a new quarterback at least. Who's that? Tommy Gray? Who came in last night? Bray. <laughs> Tyler Bray. That's what it is. Yeah. Close. Yeah. Maybe they can get Ben DiNucci. Maybe. Jeez. He has a sidearm throw that looks like Pat Mahomes, according to Chris Collinsworth, three minutes into the game. NFC South, 7-2, 7-3. I'm going Tampa Bay because I do feel like this injury is going to cost the Saints. Maybe you thought that last year, and they went undefeated, that's, five and zero. That's true, but I do think that there's a difference between Teddy Bridgewater and Jameis Winston. So I am going to go with Tampa. I feel a little bit of a slip going. And by the way, two to three weeks for that type of injury. That's absurd. But they're not putting him on that IR, which is the minimum of three weeks. So they must see something that we're not seeing. Yeah, we'll talk to the doc about that on Thursday. Big time. Can't wait to hear that. I got Tampa as well. Even though New Orleans has won six in a row, Tampa's a plus 70. Saints have beaten the Bucks twice, so it's, it's going to be tough. But I'm going to stick with Tampa. I got off of them once before. <laughs> Egg on my face. All right, the West, six and three, six and three, six and three. Got three teams, all six and three. This is possibly going to change down the road, but based off of the quarterback. I'm going to stick with Seattle. I know that their defense is a problem, but I feel this is one of those stretches for a good team that they just go through like an ugly stretch and they'll find themselves out of it. They win a game. Maybe they win two in a row. Things start to change, and they have the best quarterback, and I understand that they have flaws with their roster. But as of right now, and it can change, it's definitely inching closer. I will stick with Seattle, but I am very intrigued with the other squads. Arizona won by luck at the end, so that does change the way I feel about that team as a whole. I'm going Rams. First time. I don't remember if I've had Rams at all this year. I'm going Rams. Yeah, I don't think you have. That shocked me a little bit to hear. I thought you'd go uh, Arizona. Well, I like Arizona. I'd like them, you know, since the beginning of the year. I said that's a team that could be the surprise team this year. But I'm going Rams, and I like what Casey Joyner said yesterday. He said this might be the better team than the one that went to the Super Bowl. That kind of stood out to me because I like their defense a lot. John Clayton brought it up earlier today, but... You know, I, I, one of the things that you look at their um, the point differential, too, they're a plus 48. Seattle's plus 24. I like their defense better. They beat Seattle already. Arizona's a plus 56. The one difference is the, the, about the Rams uh, over Seattle. I like the Rams' defense better. They've only given up 168 this year. Arizona's got an iffy D. I would say that the Rams' defense is definitely something that adds value to what they bring compared to 
Arizona. And I, I just look at Seattle. I just feel, look, I'm not saying they have a Super Bowl championship Their type team. Stinks. Their defense stinks. But I don't know if they're this. I don't think they're who this three-game stretch is. Like, I don't look at them, and I don't think that the last three games really describes who they are. I think that they have more left in the tank. And they can be a better version of themselves. And with a quarterback like Russell Wilson, that could be the difference in putting them over the Rams or the Cardinals. Uh, all right. Wild cards. Give me three. I got the Saints. Saints. I got the Rams. And this is going to be tough because, as I mentioned with the Cleveland Browns, with the AFC, I'm going to go with Arizona, even though I know it's going to be a little tough all in the same division. The only other team that kind of stands out to me that has a nice chance would be the Vikings squeaking in in the wild card spot, but I'm going to stick with the NFC West squads and go Rams, Cardinals, Saints. All right. Uh, I went Cardinals, Seahawks, Saints. I had Minnesota written down, and I scribbled them out because I forgot about the Saints. But I, Minnesota, I think, is the next team. They are the next team. It's can they find a way to fight back. It's going to be tough. You're going to have either Tampa Bay or the Saints getting one of those wild card spots. Someone from the West is going to get that wild card spot as well. So they have one spot to fight for, essentially, the way I see it. And they're in a hole. You know, They're four and five. They're in a hole. All right. There you go. That's who's in. That's who's out as we see it. In the NFL playoffs, 609-403-0973, 609-403-0973. Send us a text as we get ready to wrap up the show. You got a guy telling you to stick to hockey. I hate that. As if you can't know other sports you if you only know hockey. hockey. No, I don't like that. I'm anti. That doesn't make sense. That's like, you, what, you can only know one sport? Or if you know a sport that's not a major sport, wow. that, that means you... You're not smart enough? I don't understand. I don't know. Stick to hockey. What's that mean? I mean, stick to hockey. You're well, wrong. No, because you want, you want to bring up what happened? We got yeah. a text here from Terry in Galloway. Come on, Hunter. You can't roll a quarterback out every play. This isn't peewee football. It's the NFL. Stick to hockey. So what do I do? I get on the text board. I start getting my fingers going. And I said, imagine thinking I meant literally every play. Come on. Let's use some common sense. It took over a full half of football and some for Doug Peterson to roll his quarterback out in back-to-back plays where he's clearly successful. I just need more than that. And then Terry responds, which I love the response, the fact that he did it. But, well, Doug is by far the worst coach in football. He's out coached and out-schemed week in and week out. Now, what? Uh, you would think by his first original text, he'd yeah, be he flipped. He would be pro Doug. So, you know, I'm just confused. That's all. Disappointed in a Terry. Li- a little bit. I would want Terry to fight me back a little bit with his Doug yeah, stance. he just tapped out. He did. Easily. Way too easily. Yeah, he don't tap out here. He gave up on that. He did. All right. We got the five coming up on the other side. The Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. The free mobile app powered by First Bank of Sea Isle. For competition, it's time for five questions. Three game and just man, ninety five. Number five will always love you. All right, five questions. Get ready to wrap up the show, but don't forget game night coming up next. Josh has Brian Taporic talk a little NBA draft. NBA draft tomorrow night. Well, that's a perfect way to start. How excited are you for this NBA draft? On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being like, I'm excited for it. Where do you fall? Um, it's a weird spot. Probably about a 6. Win. Okay, I think that's reasonable. Draft's not deep, but there's a lot of uncertainty at the top. There's three guys, I guess, that can go 
number one. There could be a lot of trades because of the fact that it's such a condensed offseason. So I think it's going to be a action-packed night. The draft itself, I'm not as interested in. The Sixers pick a little later. Uh, the Edwards kid from Georgia, Wiseman, um, and then Ball. Those are the three guys that probably are in the number one pick spot. A lot of depth in this draft. It's a little deeper than it is top-heavy. So I think it's going to be an interesting night. And I always love drafts. I always love the possibility of craziness happening, trades, people getting sent here, six guys putting the wrong hat on. Always, always a problem with the NBA draft. Yeah, I'm not, like, super insanely stoked going nuts about it, but I do feel... I'm excited for like a switch up. It's been a lot of football, a lot of heavy football, not fun football. It gives a little break, a nice little breathing room for some NBA. And last night, I, these woes bombs dropping at 1.30 a.m., it was refreshing. So I'll ask you your thoughts on the moves the Bucks made. I know we asked Paul this earlier. What are your thoughts on the Bucks moves? Does this make them more of like a legit insane contender? Do you think they're just nice moves? Well, they went all in. I they mean- did, but I don't know if this really makes me... This doesn't move the needle to the point where they're unbeatable. They're better, though. Um, I think they are a step up from where they've been. True. And they've been a 60-plus win team. But now, I think they have... Now, they lost Lopez. He opted out. Now, that doesn't mean they can't bring him back. But I think Holiday, upgrade over Bledsoe. No No question. No doubt about it. That makes Middleton almost the third guy now. Instead of the second guy. So you got Giannis, Drew, Middleton. So I think Middleton, I mean, uh, Holiday, big upgrade over Bledsoe. And Bogdanovich, he is very good. And as the, the fourth guy, maybe fifth guy on that team, I like that. I think they're tough, man. They're, they're definitely tough. But if I look at a scenario where, let's say, Brooklyn gets Harden, you see KD, Harden, Kyrie. Now that scares me. The Bucks, great team. Don't get me wrong, but that doesn't scare me. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's a byproduct of the sexiness, the names. I don't know those three guys. Who takes the shots? Who's going to handle the ball? Who's going to? I mean, is Harden going to handle the ball? Kyrie going to handle the ball? Heck, even Durant handled the ball a lot out in Golden State. Are they all going to be happy with the amount of shots they're getting there? You got Harden and Kyrie couldn't guard me and you. So they have the possibility of having some problems there. You are one hell of an outside shooter from the men's league games from uh, last summer. I could bang threes in Harden's (laughs) face all day. That's awesome. All right, our next question here. Theo Epstein with the Phils. Your initial thoughts to seeing a possibility. Now, he wants a year off. What would you do in this scenario? Should they just attack him? Your overall thoughts on Theo Epstein being available. There were rumors they wanted to pretty much punt this season because they knew he would be available next season. Now he's an option today almost. Uh, I would still rank probably uh, Neander above him. Okay. Not to say that I wouldn't be happy. I think getting Epstein gives you big-time credibility. I mean, it's like getting Daryl Morey. doesn't mean Morey's the best, but he's definitely one of the best and gives you instant credibility at a position that you've been one of the least credible in in, in the league. I think um, I'll be interested to see if the sick if the Phillies hire him and let him take the year off. I would be okay with that. I would clearly accept that because he does change your franchise. He is someone that 
that you can really go down a different road with and you need to change it big time. I just wonder, does John Middleton realize that because he's been using this money as an excuse, right? Does he realize this is someone falling on his lap that he has to take advantage of? That's what you need to do. It's like Daryl Morey. He's there. You didn't expect him to be. He is. Go get him. That needs to be the mentality for John Middleton. Yeah, the one thing about um, Theo Epstein? Epstein that kind of rubs me the wrong way is that he. it feels like when things get bad, he just kind of like, eh, I'm done. Like, he's done a great job in winning World Series. He builds those teams up. And then it's like he gets bored and wants to get out. And then he leaves those places in shambles. Well, give me that World Series. I'll take the shambles later and let's go. <laughs> but we don't. That's the problem. I know. I know. We want to fire Doug. We want to get rid of this guy. Not me, but I'm just saying. People are they're past the Super Bowl. It was three years ago. And they're already ready for change. Well, to so be you, fair, you're, you're a big, hey, you want it? Let's move on to the next year guy. Yeah, but I'm okay keeping the guys because oh, I right. understand you're not going to win every year. I don't want to just make changes just to make changes. I think there's some valid stuff. It's not just a change to make a change. But anyway, the last movie you watched outside of a Hallmark movie, because I know you've been grinding those out a little bit lately. It's been a while, huh? I can yeah. tell. Was it Back to the Future? Because I oh, asked yeah, I the other day, is it Back to the Future? And you said, Yeah, I watched Back to the Future 2. Okay, so that was the last movie you watched. I think we're living in Back to the Future 2. But we're going back. All I right. watched Back to the Future 2. It's probably the last movie that I've watched from start to finish. All right, last question. How's The Bachelorette been? You good? Satisfying your needs? Oh, well, the new girl just started last week. This will be her first, like, full episode. Okay, is it tonight? Tonight. So you're rocked and ready to go. Yeah, I'll give you a report tomorrow. Okay. We will do that. Yeah, what's, I, can't, I keep forgetting the girl's name. Tasha. Tasha. Big fan of Tasha. Nice uh, woman. All right, well... She's uh she's got the whole episode this week. Last week they brought her on, but then they did a little show back to uh, Claire and Dale. Now this week it's all Tasha. All right, that's our show. We're back tomorrow. Have a great night, everybody.